0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mod. Hello and welcome in to another episode of 3 Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck as we sit on the precipice of K-State going to take on the Missouri Tigers this weekend. In Columbia, vaunted, Faroe Field, finally selling out for the first time in four years. A house of horrors. K-State will head there on Saturday. Uh, of course, if you are going, make sure that you have your, uh, not only your gear from home field apparel, more on that in just a moment, but Get your stuff from Holiday Distillery. You know the drill. 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. You're going to have to be there bright and early, so I would suggest getting this during the week. Don't put it off. Don't wait until Friday night. Don't wait until Saturday morning. Get out right now and get your Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon or your 360 Vodka. Holiday Distillery, we know what the, what they'll be pulling for. They're pulling for a cast victory. Great K-State folks. So make sure you support them because they support us here on the pod. and. I don't know. I would imagine Holiday Distillery has to be a little bit more confident than Cole seems to be right now, because I woke up to a message in our group text at 6.30 this morning of Cole saying, I really wish we weren't going to Columbia. So I don't, I'm don't. i going to need Cole to project a little bit more confidence here. I'm excited about going to Columbia, frankly, as we sit here Wednesday morning recording this.
1: I the only thing I'll add is, is like, Every day, I get a text from one of you at like six a.m. and it's it's wearing on me. <laughs> but do we do we wake you up? Yes, you're like my you alarm clock up. every morning. You don't put
2: your phone on silent. I have my phone on silent.
1: No, it's on silent, but it like vibrates right next to my head. DY,
2: I am up five thirty in the morning. I am grinding because I am prepping notes on scouting reports on the upcoming opponent each day. So I am uh, up to go, John. That was a confidential text. Uh, proprietary, <laughs> proprietary information about me no, having I'm
0: a little sorry. bit of anxiety. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it was, it made me mad, Cole. So it had to get brought, it had to get brought to air. It well, damn me- it.
2: I am excited. We are going to march into Columbia on Saturday morning, bright and early. Casey's jumping in the vehicle with us. Actually, I think Casey might be driving with us here. Uh, so uh, shout out to K-State Geist on Twitter. We're going to have some fun. Dan, we're going to, we're going to be sitting in that K-State section and we're, uh,
0: we're gonna have a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, dude, we're going to Columbia. Like, think of the think of okay. the nightlife in Columbia. Shakespeare's pizza. Where else Man. can you get Shakespeare's pizza? Like, how could you not be excited to go to Columbia win or lose? It's you know, they're calling it the Vegas of the Midwest. So I win or lose, I think things will be pretty good for us. Yeah. No. Go ahead, DY.
1: I'll be there on Friday night. I'll I'll let you know what it looks like. Right.
0: Oh man,
2: yeah! Please send us pictures of the scene. Uh, Dy, have you been to Columbia before?
1: Yes, but not for a game. Well, I'm two and zero in
0: Columbia, Cole. That's another. I don't know if you had that calculated into your stats or your predictions or anything like that. But I'm I'm personally two and zero. Never been to a football game in Columbia. I was supposed to go cover the game
2: in two thousand. Eight, I believe I bailed the Collegian reporter that did go Mike DeVader hit a deer on the drive home and I would have been with him so
1: you know, you know we, we get story after story about you covering Kansas State and a lot of them revolve <laughs> around you bailing on It's actually work because <laughs> you always talk about never going to Lubbock you know am going to Columbia
0: <laughs> yeah he had to bail to go hang out with frank martin i think that was the only thing cole was doing back then he was just you know hanging out at frank's house yeah i would have liked to i didn't get to go
2: to that puerto rico trip i also didn't go to the vegas game and you can see UNLV lb that i wanted to go to i had
0: to stay back yeah. So, all right well stay stay tuned for ucf i'm sure we'll hear some story about how you didn't cover the game in 2010 uh so get get ready for that no week. i was in the press box for that one boys who was the, it a? that's one yeah Okay, well, this whole open, I feel like, underscores my first point here, which is going to be, as we get into headlines, I'm very glad that this game is actually being played these days. Now, before we dive into that point, I should remind you here, if you want more content from us, more of this witty banter that you cannot find anywhere else, uh, patreon.com slash to get signed up for our Patreon program, become a Patreon dude, and you will get access to... A bunch of extra content throughout the week. Brody predictions. Uh, we're going to do a, a Q&A later on this week. This should be up within the next 24 hours or so on Patreon, where we're taking your questions, so you can literally ask us questions, have us answer them. Uh, there have been player inter- player parent interviews already that have been up on the Patreon page. And a Discord channel, where you can chat with us, uh, basically text with us uh, on a daily basis. So, if you want that, it's just 5 bucks, uh, Patreon.com slash 3maw in order to do that you can also support the show on venmo it's just three mob but you spell out the three so i know this game is not being played like in permanence but at least having the rivalry back these last two years has been really fun and i guess i use the word rivalry i you know yeah loosely like it's somewhat of a rivalry it's two teams that have played each other for years and years and years and decades and have lots of history and are close to each other and now being in two different conferences, like that ramps up the discourse, I feel like, a little bit. Eli Drinkwitz has helped ramp up the discourse. And much as we rip on him, like all that stuff is what makes college football great. It's what makes college football fun. So the first headline to me is just, I am grateful that we have this game here and that I do get to go back to Columbia and enjoy the finest delicacy known to man, Shakespeare's pizza.
1: I agree. And Eli Drinkwitz is correct because he basically said the same thing. Maybe not like you're... Bitter arch rival. I don't think anyone would excuse this game, you know, for that. But when you have the proximity, when you are amongst each other and the fan base a lot, like the mixing that you know happens between the Kansas State, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa State, Nebraska, those are the just games that have more fun and mean more because of that. Because now you have to deal with it for a year um, that you lost to that team and be around those fans. So. I think it matters – there was a part of me this week I was even thinking, and I think it was after I heard the press conference from Elijah Drake with Kansas State-Missouri was like like a permanent game, so to speak. But then I was like, you know, it's great to have that game back, but I do think there is a part of me that likes that there is a rotation with your Power 5 opponents so you can play new teams and stuff like that. But uh, it kind of goes back to the regionality of it where, you know, because you are connected to them so much that – you probably do wish you were playing Nebraska every year, Missouri every year, and could have, you know, a rotating Power 5 game as well. So that's just how I look at it. And I wonder if it becomes a little bit more fun going forward, like for every conference to do this. Like you can have 10 conference games and because everyone's going to have 16 teams in their conference anyway. I have 10 conference games and a non-conference game that maybe is permanent.
0: Well, D-Y, I mean – Here's a crazy idea. It's a wild idea. But what if? I mean, it sounds like the perfect solution to your problem would be, what if you just built a conference with those same eight teams that have played each other for like 60 years, and then, you know, you can keep four Texas schools in there, and, you you know, Nebraska, Colorado, Mizzou, you could just play them every year, and then you can still have a non-conference schedule on top of that. That actually seems like it would be a pretty good solution.
1: Man, it would be so novel. Yep.
2: Well, you need to uh, step into that big 12 commissioner's office, John. You could be uh, the next deputy commissioner. In the- uh, Tim Weiser seems like he's doing a hell of a job. <laughs> so, yeah. That, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely is. And and shout out to Shakespeare's Pizza, uh, getting a lot of promo on here. Not a sponsor. Could be for Columbia listeners, you know. Mm-hmm. Want to jump in? Shakespeare Pizza, we're promoting you. I think it's great that the uh, the game is back. Um, you know, it's it's been fun the last couple of years, the banter leading up to it and all of the trash talk. It leads to a little more anxiety within both fan bases, knowing how important it is. It's particularly important this year for Eli Drinkowitz and his future coaching career at Missouri, but, you know, also these teams running in, into each other on the recruiting trail in the Kansas City metro area where there's a ton of talent. I mean, Missouri just landed... What the kid that's uh, one of the number one, number top five player in the country, right? DY defensive end from the, the KC Metro.
1: Yeah. The, that name is, excuse- I can't
2: pronounce it. That's oh, why I did Noari or something like yeah. that.
1: Oh, means mm-hmm. one area. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, look, they are res- recruiting at a high level. We know there's no love loss between the coaching staffs. So the Joshua Manning recruitment uh, brings back a lot of ill feelings for the K State coaching staff and how that all shook down and went down. So, yeah, I mean, from a recruiting aspect, from a fan aspect, even though I don't see a lot of Missouri fans in uh, Kansas City uh, anymore, ever since they left for the Big Twelve or left for the SEC, it matters. And uh, that I, I have this nervous energy feeling this week that I didn't have the previous two weeks, and that's just because this game is a little bit more important and the regionality aspect, the old conference rivals, it, it brings back memories and it, it's fun. It's good for the sport. I'd love to see Nebraska on the schedule in the future as well because it'd be an easy win. And uh, would be fun to play against it.
1: Part of the reason why you don't see Missouri fans is because I don't know if you leave your neighborhood because you don't even want to go to Columbia. You, uh, I, I just think you don't probably well, no. cross the border.
0: No, I think the bigger. I don't see many Mizzou fans, and I do get out of my apartment. Uh, so, but the, the problem is, they they they've been so mid. They're very mediocre in the SEC, like, and there's and they're not playing. You don't have a week where you're playing Kansas to bust out your Mizzou stuff, and really, and you don't have a week where you're playing K State. Like, that is the part. Like Carrington, I, God bless him, love the guy. Six Ten Sports Radio. He can't, he's a Mizzou guy, and he came out with that tweet a couple of weeks ago. He's like, look, playing in the SEC is, le- it is less fun for Missouri fans. I'm I'm paraphrasing what his take was exactly, and I'm probably doing him wrong by not specifically spitting it out. But he got clobbered because Mizzou fans, all they have to cling to these days is, well, we play in the SEC. Okay, nobody thinks about you in the SEC. And so now you're playing a school and like a regional rival that that thinks about you. And so Mizzou fans can deny it all they want and yell about recruiting rankings and the SEC and what Georgia and Alabama have accomplished because that's really what they have now. But deep down, they know they miss this. They know this would be more fun. This would be a better identity if all things were equal and they were making as much money. Uh, which again, the fans see none of the money, but hey, if they were making as much money and all things were equal, they they know they know that they would prefer to be playing K State, KU, Nebraska, Colorado, all these schools every year. They know that that would be a lot more fun, and you would see a lot more Tiger paraphernalia around Kansas City, but you just don't right now because they they don't. There's no reason to.
1: I agree. Those teams in the SEC. They all the fans they all get hyped when those teams play Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU. Florida. But Missouri, when they come to town in those SEC places, those fans probably treat Missouri a, like they're a little bit above Vanderbilt. That's probably what happens.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no history there. And even, you know, if you're Mizzou and going to the SEC, I understand the excitement at first. The first time you play Georgia, first couple times you play Alabama, it was exciting for K-State to play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl last year. Then you lose by 25. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't quite as exciting anymore. <laughs> so... You know, the, the second or third time you get drubbed by somebody like that, it, it loses a little bit of the edge and some of the excitement. Like, I, that's just, Missouri, until the last two years, just to close this point, I, it was just out of sight, out of mind. I didn't hear jack bleep about Missouri. I didn't know anything about Mizzou. And I've, again, Kansas City guy here. Like, I don't, but you just, it was quiet, silent crickets because they've been mediocre and in the SEC, often this far off land that, where nobody cares about them. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's been great. I think it's been really good for for both fan bases here. Now, as far as the game goes, uh, headline number two for me is going to be, is, is this K-State offense ready for the Mizzou defense? I, I feel pretty confident that K-State's defense, which is appearing to be much ahead of schedule, is going to be able to hold their water fine against a Brady Cook-led offense. But I, I do wonder about how much K-State will be able to move the ball against what is a great Missouri secondary. They've got a really good defensive tackle, uh, athleticism certainly in the front seven. And last year, the running game was a huge part of this. They, they pushed Mizzou around. They ran for 230-plus yards in a, in a driving rainstorm in Manhattan. I don't know. You, you guys know my biggest concern coming out of the Troy game and many people's biggest concern was like, what's going on with the offensive line and some health issues there and the run game not being very consistent. Uh, that, that, to me, is where I, I just need to see K-State prove that they can do it against Mizzou because they, they do have a really salty defense.
1: That phase of the game, that game within the game, is probably the difference in this being a nail biter and this being another 10, 17 point win for Kansas State. And I kind of lean towards the latter because the Kansas State offense still is a bit to prove based on the, you know, what we saw in the first two games. Now they still scored 87 points, but just wasn't smooth or sharp in doing so. And obviously, Missouri's strength of the team, and it has been for the duration of Eli Drinkwitz's career or tenure in Missouri, which is surprising because he's an offensive guy. Um, That's the defensive side of the ball. They've hung their hat on that, and it's been outstanding almost week in and week out if you take away the Kansas Kansas State game and an SEC game here or there. But they're competitive in every game, not because of their offense, but because of their defense.
2: I mean, you have to wonder where Eli Drinkwitz would be if it wasn't for Blake Baker and the hire that he made last year to come in as a defensive coordinator. It was a Missouri defense that was 114th in the country, allowing 2.98 points per drive in 2021. They were one of the worst defenses in college football. They brought in Baker, uh, former LSU assistant, and he has completely turned that defense around. They were a top 40 unit across the board in all of the metrics last year. They have a top 20 defense in Bill Connolly's SP+. They're number 19, I believe, in the F-plus rankings. They're number 20. Heading into this season, they finished in those metrics as a top 25 defense last year. And in the game in Manhattan, actually, one of the things, K-State's offense did struggle to move the ball for a period of time in that game. There was a series, a stretch, where K-State had six offensive drives. They scored six points total in that six-drive stretch. Uh, And favorable field position as well, by the way, because Missouri threw four interceptions at one point in that game, and K-State struggled to capitalize. Deuce Vaughn had only 15 carries for 66 yards you know, on his first 15 carries that game, the last nine carries he had, he had 78 yards. So Deuce Vaughn was able to get things going as they went. They wore down that Missouri defense, but they kind of bottled up the the K-State offense early on in that game. So this is going to be a test. To me, it comes down to K-State having to take care of the football as uh, D.Y. disappeared for a second visibly there, and I just kept going. But K-State's got to take care of the football. You cannot give Missouri's offense a short field Because if you get you turn the ball
0: over, I think that's how Missouri wins this game. Well, agreed, and and that we're going to talk about this in just a second because I know one of the other concerns that people really had coming out of the game against Troy and what we've seen the first two weeks of the season is like, hey, Will Howard has been pretty good, but he has been getting a little bit overzealous throwing it into double coverage. It's led to a couple of picks, Uh, so we will get to that here in just a moment. But as I said. You need your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottle and bun, bourbon to go to Columbia, but you also need your home field apparel. Come on. If you've been listening to this pod, you are well aware of that. Make sure that you go to homefieldapparel.com and get stocked up on all the great cast gear that they have. They have a couple of different recent case state drops, lots of old school logos, the copper bull shirt, you know my favorites, the cat script basketball logo that they have been utilizing now, but a ton of the old logos, Sailor Willie, Cocaine Willie, whatever kind of Willie you want, they've got it at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, 3 23 to get 15% off your first order. We're even hooking you up. There's no reason not to, people. Go get your home field apparel before you head out to uh, to Columbia this weekend and make sure you're ready to go for the rest of the season. Okay, we'll talk more about uh, Will Howard and company in the K-State offense next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store
3: or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
0: In addition to the offensive line, I think people had some concerns about, look, the the play Cole, I remember watching it vividly with you, the interception in the end zone uh, for, for Will this past week. You could see, like, RJ Garcia did pop open for a split second, but the ball needed to be there right away and on a rope, and instead Will waited a second and threw it with some air under it. So he is not afraid to throw it into double coverage. We can debate whether or not the interception in week one was really his fault because he got hit and it was there and he's a guy that can go up and get it. Um, But at times I think will it, it's good. And I will always say, I will take the good with the bad on that because I would rather have a guy that's willing to throw it down the field. Right. It's kind of like the uh Alex Smith conundrum, right? Like Alex Smith didn't want to ever turn the ball over, but he wouldn't throw it down the field. So you're going to get some of that with will. But I, I have seen some fans like seemingly very concerned about this. The why, how, how, is your concern level. Where is that at right now with Will Howard going up against a really good Mizzou secondary?
1: Yeah, some of that's perplexing to me. And maybe I'm just too much on the other side of the spectrum. For me, it's zero. I like I think he's been a little greedy at the beginning of the season and probably not always taking what the defense gives him. And that's the incorrect play at times. And there is a time and a place to be aggressive and go over the top and maybe throw into coverage and there's a time not to. And he's probably still discerning between the two. But that's kind of what most quarterbacks go through in the first couple of games when you haven't been seeing the live bullets for nine months. So, my concern level remains zero. I, and otherwise, he's been great, right? There's those few decisions each game where we're all like, man, where what, what are you, what are you even trying to do there? But that's also because of the time of the place. They're up comfortably. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um, you can beat Troy, you can beat Simo by not being that aggressive. But not being that greedy. So again, time and a place, but my concern level remains at zero. He still has nine total touchdowns.
2: I brought it up to Curry Sexton on the pod that we recorded as part of our weekly series earlier this week. He wasn't overly concerned. He does think Will's trying to force the ball in a couple different times that it maybe shouldn't do. He's made a couple mistakes, obviously. There was a play against Troy when I rewatched the game where I didn't even remember it, but Troy could have had a pick six. I mean, he threw it to Jaden McDonald, their linebacker, and he just dropped the ball. He would have ran in for a touchdown. Um, and then there was another play where he threw into double coverage. That was a mistake. Even the the 40-yard pass to Jaden Jackson, the ball probably should have went to Keegan Johnson. I talked to Curry Sexton about it. He thought Keegan would have scored on it crossing over the middle because he had his guy burnt so bad. But it was still, I'm nitpicking a little because it was a dime. Like it was a 40-yard pass to Jaden Jackson, and it was a beautiful throw still. But it ended up going into the the double coverage when it would have been the single man that Keegan had his guy beat. It's nitpicking a little bit. It is a little bit of a concern, but I'm not too concerned about it. To your point, John, you brought up the Alex Smith syndrome. What did we talk about last year with Adrian Martinez early in the year? Just throw it downfield, take some shots. Who cares if it gets intercepted? Because you got to be able to keep the defense honest and go vertical. It just becomes so hard to move the football if you're so conservative and checking it down all the time. And so Will going downfield, it's nothing new. You know, he had 27 passes of 20 yards or more last year. Uh, his percentage of passes of thirteen point six percent of his pass attempts going for twenty or more yards last year, you know, is up there with one of the highest of K State quarterbacks in the last twelve years. So he's pushing the ball some. It's going to keep defenses honest. He's just got to be a little bit more careful with throwing into double coverage. But he's a really smart, cerebral guy. He'll figure it out and he'll be fine.
0: I I would say that yeah, my my concern level is not. I I don't know that I would put it at zero like Derek did, but it's. 10 percent, like it's not it's it's not very high i think it'll be okay i think it'll get worked out and i again have just come to the realization that you are going to live with some of that for him i i completely okay i do not remember this pick six potential pick six throw yeah yeah so it went right to Jaden mcdonald who's
2: actually i think a former k-state commit dy is out of georgia he might have committed to iowa i think he transferred from iowa to troy and um he dropped in and kind of the underslot linebacker. Will didn't see him, and it hit him right in the hands and probably would have been picked and ran in. I think it was in maybe the second quarter of the game. Uh, It it didn't happen, so, yeah. So it was, and look, the thing with Will, he's going to be going up against the defense. It's probably the, since Colin Klein became the offense coordinator, it's going to be the second best defense that Will and, and Colin have faced behind only Alabama in the Sugar Bowl last year. So he's going up against a really talented secondary. They got two corners that Missouri feels like, are maybe the best duo in the SEC with Ray Straw and Chris abrams Strain. So they got two guys. They like their safeties a lot. They got a couple pros potentially back there. So Will is going to be tested against these guys, and we'll dive in more of that in the offense-defense preview.
0: Well, they may well be right because everybody outside of Georgia appears to suck in the SEC. I think that's what we've uh, been able to ascertain from the first couple of weeks here. Uh, final point here, final headline. Will K-State get any healthier this week, particularly on the offensive line? I know Chris Kleiman said at the press conference, hey, one of the nice things, like nobody that played is really dealing with any extra injury issue. But I would still raise the question about Keegan Johnson and whether or not he will be able to play an entire game. Is it still going to be a pitch count sort of a deal? Um, I would say that like Chris Kleiman's answer, uh, you know, he kind of said like hopefully when D.Y. asked if he would be able to cut it loose more this week. Uh, so I'm monitoring that. But then, of course, D.Y., Christian Duffy, John Pastori. Potentially playing tackle. Where, where do you feel like that is at right now? With the understanding that we'll probably find out a little bit more, at least on on Thursday, with the the coordinator press conferences.
1: I doubt we found find out more from the coordinators. So Colin Klein usually maybe maybe a little bit, maybe yeah. a little. Bit. Colin Klein's probably the most type-lipped uh, coach on the entire Kansas State staff when it comes to injuries. I'm sure he'll call both a game time decision. If someone was out eight weeks, he would still call them a game time decision. And that's and it's not a criticism of Colin Klein. That's just as standard operating proce- procedure uh, when it comes to John Pistori. Whether or not they give him snaps, I don't know, but he should be able to available to take snaps this week. He was even in uniform last week, so that's where I'm at on him. Um, game readiness conditioning. It's probably up in year but i would imagine he can take a few snaps if they choose that route um just kind of like get him, get him in there you know for the first uh, get your feet wet kind of like they did with keegan johnson 16 snaps last week uso sayamolo 11 snaps in week one uh something along those lines christian duffy now chris seems a little bit um probably questionable in terms of if he was going to be ready now you have to remember Just like Keegan Johnson, he didn't get uh, put in uniform the week before. So that's probably an actual game-time decision. It would be nice if he can take some snaps this week, but I don't think that's really been determined at this point. Um, I think the coaching staff is being genuine when they say they'll know by Thursday, and that might be even something they don't make a decision on until Saturday. I do think it was genuine. I I think Keegan Johnson is going to ramp up this week. I think they were going to let him loose a little bit more. Um, I'd be lying if I said he looked hundred percent last week when he played, I thought there were times where he looked a little ginger, um, after a play here and there, but 16 snaps is even more than what Uso got in the week that he got his feet wet. So I do think he's headed in the right direction.
2: I would expect them to ease Christian Duffy in. If he does play against Missouri, I'm thinking it'll probably be like 20, 25 snaps. DY, get his conditioning up, but you got to remember there's a lot of rust there. I mean, Duffy didn't get to participate in spring ball. As well, so he hasn't taken snaps in quite some time. Did he participate in spring ball at all? A little bit. Okay, all right. I I I thought he was in spring ball. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the injury after happened after spring ball. Never. Regardless, it's been a while since he's played football, and you're going up against a good defensive front in Missouri as your first game. So if he does play, I'd expect the snaps to be minimal. What I would expect them to do with Duffy is just kind of ease him in over the next couple weeks, then utilize the bye week after the UCF game to get him to be a full go for the rest of the season. Regardless, You got to have Cooper Beebe play right tackle in this game when Duffy's not in. I mean, that's that's got to be the move. Cooper Beebe, according to Pro Football Focus, graded out as the number two offensive tackle in college football last year, last week in pass pro, when he moved out to right tackle. It's just how good he is. I mean, he can go out anywhere, play anywhere on the offensive line, and he's one of the best offensive linemen in football. So that it weakens you on the left side at the guard position in the interior run game when you have to do that, but it's more important to protect Will Howard Um, And so you're going to have to move B.B. out to right tackle when Duffy is not on the field or if Duffy does not play on Saturday.
1: I do not disagree, but I will say that if they if that is the route they have to take for the majority of the game, Missouri's run defense is already pretty good. I think. You know, Chris Klein said we can't throw 50 times and expect to win this game. Uh, I don't know if he can run 25 times and expect to win if Cooper Beebe's not your left guard.
2: You know, it's it's hard to gauge. I do think this Missouri run defense is good. It is always hard to gauge, especially because you're looking at two opponents they played in Middle Tennessee and South Dakota. South Dakota was picked ninth in the Missouri Valley Conference out of 12 teams. And, you know, you can talk about K-State playing SEMO, which was a top 10 FCS team and picked to win their league. Then you play Middle Tennessee State, which is picked to finish third in Conference USA when K-State plays the defending Sunbelt champs in preseason picks. So K-State's played a far tougher test now this Missouri defense is giving up 1.7 yards per carry on the ground. They've been tremendous there. Three of their top defensive tackles grade in the top 100 of all interior defenders against the run, according to Pro Football Focus so far this year. And Darius Robinson, uh, six foot five, 300 pound defensive tackle, defensive end. He can play both on the outside and on the inside. Robinson grades currently as the third best run defender in college football on the edge. I mean, they've been playing him out of D end because they they lost so many of their defensive ends this year. So he is a guy that's a top three run defender currently, according to PFF, in the country among all edge defenders. And Mel Kuyper of ESPN listed the Cooper Beebe versus Darius Robinson as his one of his three matchups to watch across all of college football this week. It's going to be a true test for Beebe. If he's matched up
0: against him, they, they're going to move Robinson around. Well, a, a part, a, 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 It's a great point, Cole, I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade. Not a lot of great matchups in college football this week. So they'll probably you know cut down a little bit on the <laughs> available matchups there for, for Mel to uh, to choose from. But yes, looking forward to that. I mean, hopefully, 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 I am looking forward to that. What, Cooper Beebe is going to be fine. But you make the point. I, DY, I will just cap this off, I guess, by saying the point here is like, obviously, yes, you have to, you can't, there can't be any more lookout blocks where Will is just, you know, swarmed right away. But beyond just the obvious, if we're thinking about this just from like an equation, almost like a math equation, how you're doing the offensive line, you have better options to replace Cooper Beebe inside than you would options outside at tackle if he were not out there at tackle. That's, that's kind of the reality right now, correct?
1: Correct. I would agree. And, and I'm not saying they can't run the ball with Cooper Beebe at right tackle. Um, best case scenario would be a middle left guard, but I don't know that we're dealing with best case scenario just yet
2: and it's a missouri defense last year 8.9 percent sack rate that ranked 12th in the country and second in the sec they get after the quarterback and now they lost their dns like i mentioned 11 and a half sacks gone at the defensive end position but they still got some dudes that can get after the quarterback
0: well we've got a lot more uh coming up on mizzou where that came from but before we do get to that If you are going to be watching college football this weekend or the NFL, you know what it is that you need to do. Make sure that you get linked up with DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games and who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them. That's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day, this September. So get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers bet just $5. They can take home $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.sot1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877 8 ny or text HopeNY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, but not if you are in Ontario, my friend. It is void. I am sorry to everybody out in Ontario. Totally void there. Uh, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. We're back in. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Cole, we've been hearing a lot about the Mizzou defense because naturally that's what comes up in the biggest headlines about the game. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this Mizzou offense? Led by Brady Cook, they have Sam Horn, a more talented quarterback, who is behind Brady Cook. Well, Eli Drinkwitz, who's been yeah, developing this reputation for being very, very conservative, does not seem very willing to actually go to that guy. So a lot of frustration with zoo fans with where their offense is at. Where are the Tigers actually at? So do you want the initial scouting report on Brady Cook to start off with, John? Uh, sure. Okay. Here's. I assume that it's going to be some sort of audio because I just heard it interrupt me very rudely as I was trying to talk. There. I have actually directly with
2: Eli Drinkwitz right now a little bit of a scouting report on his starting quarterback and how he feels about him.
4: He's got a girlfriend. Otherwise, man, I'd be trying to get him hooked up once my, my daughter's turn 18. Because he's unbelievable. No, doesn't. Sounds like I love the young man. So there's your
2: scouting report. Love The coach loves him. Wants uh, to set him up with his daughter. And uh, great what kid. No, 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 but not yet. But not yet. No, yeah. Of course, that's a good disclaimer to include, just like you did on that DraftKings disclaimer. Uh, look, Brady Cook is a, a guy that was banged up. Uh, For much of last season, he battled, a, I think, a labrum injury, shoulder injury. And, John, you actually pointed this out. Like, If you look at Brady Cook's numbers last year, he finished with 2,800 passing yards almost, then 7.2 yards per pass, completed 65% of his passes. He rushed for 585 yards. He was also sacked 26 times, where he lost 170 yards on the ground. You take away the sacks, I mean, he had 750-plus rushing yards and would have had over 5 yards per carry last year. One of the things he's going to test you, and he hasn't done it much this season, through two games, but he's got mobility. So he's a different quarterback that K-State doesn't face because he can take off and run. You remember the game in Manhattan last year? Brady Cook, th- that first drive of the game, they just ran Brady Cook. He ended up finishing 13 carries for 56 yards. He led Missouri in that game on the ground. Their two running backs, Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete in Manhattan last year combined for 29 yards on 19 carries. So they couldn't get the running game going in Manhattan. I mentioned Cook's struggles early on in the year. He had a quarterback rating of 50 in the first six games last year. Over the last seven games, his average quarterback rating was 77.4. So he got better as the season went along. This year, he's 31 of 40 passing for 376 yards. He's completing 78% of his passes. His completion rate is top 10 in the country. But I I just, it's a lot of like shorter throws. I think guys, like his numbers are inflated a little bit. They're still not stretching the ball downfield. In fact, I went through every play of Missouri's season so far. K State's offense has 14 plays of 20 or more yards on the season. Missouri's offense has five through two games. And it's really Luther Burton. I mean, that's the guy that he's going to all the time. Burton has 13 catches for 245 yards, 14 yards per catch. He was the number one wide receiver recruit. In the country, in the 2022 recruiting class, last year he only averaged eight yards per catch on 375 yards receiving. This year, they're making it a point of emphasis to get burden involved. 50% of the targets last week against Middle Tennessee State were to lose their burden. The other two wide receivers, Theo Weiss and Makai Miller, the two primary other wideouts, combined for three catches for 15 yards. And on the season, Makai Miller and Theo Weiss, who's a former five-star receiver at Oklahoma, had almost 900 yards receiving the two prior years at OU. Theo Weiss and Makai Miller so far over the, the first two games have a combined eight catches for 81 yards. So it's really about defending Luther Burton. If you, and K State's got Jacob Parrish, who's a top 10 corner according to Pro Football Focus right now. Jacob Parrish has been targeted 16 times. They've completed six balls on him for 33 yards. That's two yards per pass on targets at Jacob Parrish. He's been phenomenal. Will Lee is really coming on, who's actually our player guest on this week's Dream All Player Spotlight brought to you by Riverbank Brewing. Great interview there. Really enjoyed getting to know Will. Between those two corners, I think K State can bottle up burden a little bit, and it'll make it hard for this OU or for this Missouri offense to move the football.
0: Well, admittedly, I have I have really not watched very much Mizzou. I saw a little bit of the first game. Couldn't find SEC Network Plus. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't smart enough to defeat technology to uh, pull that off th- this past week. But to me, it feels like one key is going to be tackling for those guys in the secondary, because if they are throwing short and Luther Burden is getting the ball all the time, he's really dynamic with the ball in his hands. I think they're going to need to, they're going to need to be able to wrap up and tackle and not let Luther Burden break free on you. Mizzou's not going to throw it deep. They're going to throw it short and just get the ball in his hands, which it seems like they're committed to doing this year and they really weren't last year. That to me becomes key. Yeah, I
2: think, yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, you watch Missouri, what they do, they're going to try to throw it throw it short to to Burden and let him make a play with his legs and his explosiveness. And uh, I absolutely think that's a case. I mean, Burden right now, according to PFF ranks as a top 10 receiver in college football. That's what he's graded out against. He talked about him going up potentially against a top 10 corner and Jacob Parrish that that's a huge matchup to watch for. It's a Missouri offense that returns 80 for, 80% of its offensive production that ranks 10th most in the country, but we've talked about it already. It's a Missouri offense has struggled last year. I mean, they were 85th and 87th in pass efficiency offense, 5.1 yards per play. They ranked 84, 85th in that, 85th at yards per pass, 88th in turnovers, giveaways per game. And they were also 121st and last in the SEC, allowing 7.8 tackles for loss per game. So that's been a problem. Their running game against Middle Tennessee State, they run the ball 46 times for just 112 yards. I mean, Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete. Don't strike a great deal of fear into me, especially going up against a K-State run defense. It's currently number two in the country, allowing one point four yards per carry, and a Missouri offense that I already mentioned couldn't run the ball against K-State last year uh, in that rainstorm. So, I, I don't, I'm not that worried about Missouri running the ball outside of Brady Cook and their their quarterback play and the mobility that he brings to the table, but. You know, they also, if you don't recall, Eli Drinkowitz relinquished play-calling duties in the final three games of the 2022 season. He called the plays at Missouri before, was essentially their offensive coordinator. So he hires Kirby Moore from Fresno State to take over the OC position this year. Kirby Moore came from Fresno State where he was the offensive coordinator last year. Their offense ranked 56th in the F-plus and 36th nationally in points per drive. They're looking to improve it. But so far, I mean, i I don't know, guys. Like, I... It doesn't look much different to me. I mean, they scored 23 points. They had had 10 drives and scored 23 points against Middle Tennessee State. That's 2.3 points per drive. They gave up four sacks. It was the sixth most sack percentage or sixth highest sack percentage last week in college football among all FBS teams when Brady Cook dropped back to pass. He was sacked 17.4% of the time. One thing I will say, and this is something to watch for, guys, offensive tackle Javon Foster graded out. As one of the SEC's best tackles last season, he's their left tackle. He scored the SEC's best grade for pass blocking among all offensive tackles. His pass pro grade of 86.7 ranks 7th nationally among all offensive tackles. He's going to be going up against Khalid Duke and Brendan Mott, which both rank in the top 40 among all edge defenders in pass rush success rate, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's going to be a mashup to watch for because Missouri is not strong in other parts of its offensive line. In fact, it sounds like Drinkowitz may be making some changes up front this week.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pipe in real quick here. It sounds like there is the potential for a true freshman to start at right guard for the first time um, this year. So uh, I think that's Logan Riker might be the starting right guard this week. At least he's in the mix to be that. So that is one of the changes. I got a stat, and I know I already mentioned it to you guys. Out in the last 18 games under Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri has only scored more than 24 points five times, and only one of those was against a Power 5 opponent. That was Arkansas. And since – and I got this from – actually, I forget who I got this from. Maybe one of you. But since Colin Clyde was the offense coordinator at Kansas State, when he has Will Howard as a starting quarterback, Kansas State has never scored less than 24 points.
0: Key number, gets 24. It's 24. Yep. Anything else you want to add on the, the Mizzou defense that hasn't been covered already? Uh, I mean,
2: gosh, John, I got so much stuff on the Missouri defense. The, the one thing I'll say about Missouri defense, 83% of their defensive production back, that's the second highest in the country, and I already talked about how good that Missouri defense was coming into the game. They're 10th in yards for play allowed at 3.8. Um, I talked about Darius Robinson already and how good he uh, he is. I mean, he's also a good pass rusher in addition to his run defense. Uh, They only had one player drafted off last season's team overall, and that was largely because uh, they got a lot of talent that's coming back. One guy I'll highlight that I haven't talked about yet. They run a 4-2-5 defense, Tyron Hopper. He's the leader of that D, and he's going to bring a lot of pass rush ability against this K-State offense. He finished with 14 tackles for loss last season, tied for second most in the SEC behind only Alabama's Will Anderson, who became the number three pick in the 23 NFL draft. Among SEC linebackers, only LSU's Harold Perkins and Arkansas's Drew Sanders recorded more QB pressures than Hopper's 32 last year. Um, And on true passing sets, Hopper had the best PRP among all linebackers and edge rushers at 27, which that measures sacks, hits, and quarterback hurries relative to how many times a player rushes the passer. For perspective, Willie Anderson had a 16.5 PRP, Georges, Nolan Smith, another first-round pick, and a PRP of 14.9. Hopper was at 27. He led all SEC linebackers and edge rushers and pass rush win percentage on true pass sets at 38% last year. So I, he's going to come after the quarterback. They're going to blitz him off the edge. They're going to bring him from all over from the linebacker position. And I've already talked about it. Like They're going to feel comfortable bringing some pressure because they feel like they have two of the better corners in the SEC. Chris Abramstrain, veteran guy, finished with 14 pass breakups last year. That was the second most in the SEC. Opposite of him, Ennis Rakeshraw. He ranked third in the SEC with 12 pass breakups, and he also currently is the number two corner in college football against the run per play pro football focus. And I got talked about, they got a linebacker, Chuck Hicks, who's a top 10 linebacker currently against the run, three defensive tackles at rate according to PFF and the top 100 against the run currently, and they love their safeties, led by Jalen Charles, who they believe might be the best player on their defense. So a lot of good players in the back end of that defense going up against K-State's offense.
0: Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. That that's where you can feel everybody who's had concerns about uh, Will getting a little bit greedy, and I? I can feel everybody clenching up a little bit. you know, relax. Let's not let be like Cole. Don't be. Don't fear Columbia. Don't fear going to Columbia. Let's have some fun with uh, quick hitters. Keegan Johnson, uh, I believe he did. He have three catches last week. I meant to jot that down on my notes. Three catches last week. I said the over under. At five and a half, Keegan Johnson touches for the Wildcats this week. Are you going over or are you going under, D-Y?
1: Over, because he's not a known commodity yet, and I think they'll target him a lot, and I see his snap load at least doubling.
2: You set the over-under at three, John, for Keegan? Five and a half. Five and a half. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know where I got the th- Oh, you mentioned the three last week. Um I'm going to take the over. I think he's going to be a big point of emphasis this week, and so I'm going to take that because I think he's going to be key to this offense and, and scoring against
0: this Missouri defense.
1: If the, if like, I'll, I'll say this. like If teams take away or want to take away Ben Sennett, Keegan Johnson's going to be a lot more open.
0: Yeah, that, that is true. Probably like a pick your poison there. I think it probably has to be over 5.5 if Case state wants to win the game. So I'll, I'll put it that way and take the over 5.5 uh, on that. All right, you've got one game to win with your life on the line. Like, I'm telling you, you know, you're walking to the guillotine if you lose this football game. And your two choices for your head coach are Ron Prince and Eli Drinkwitz. Who are you taking with your life on the line, Cole? Ron Prince or Eli Drinkwitz as your head coach?
2: Probably going to take Ron Prince, Uh Eli Drinkowitz, 6-13 and 13 last two years against Power 5 opponents, 3-12 and 12 the last two seasons against Power 5 opponents that uh, finished with a five hundred record or better. Ron Prince at least could beat Texas, right? You know, he could beat some good teams every now and then. So I, I think I'll take Ron Prince over uh, what we've seen from Drinkowitz so far.
0: Sure, Ron Prince. I wasn't even
1: here, I wasn't even here when he was here, so, yeah.
0: Wait, you weren't paying attention to K State football in 2006, seven, and eight. I barely remember 2006,
1: 2007.
0: Okay, all right, touche. Um, well, I would just direct you to the the good old office meme, uh, where it's you know, corporate asked me to tell the difference between these two pictures, and then the second part is they're the same picture. I mean, you want me to choose between the same guy? I don't know what's the point of it. I'm criticizing my own question here, but I'm asking you to choose between the same guy. So I I can't I can't do it. I mean, the answer would just be either. You know, I'll just close my eyes and pick one. Uh, Worst look, Mizzou teaching fans how to cheer at games a couple of weeks ago with a viral video or the infamous We Are Mizzou video from the early 2010s that also went viral. What is the what is the worst look for the Tigers
1: there? Teaching them how to be fans, because that would suggest that they forgot. <laughs> wait, wait,
2: wait, wait a second, wait a second. John, John, we've got something here for K State fans, for K State fans that are going to Columbia.
5: We're will be rocking all night long. This is rule at the zoo
4: number one. When our zoo offense takes the field, it gets ready to work. <sighs> This is World of the Z, number two.
5: Each and every time armies do happens lose to change, our announcer will start us off with, "That's a first down for Cam And you'll say, you owe
4: You say, "You oh you." It
2: was a really good one, guys. Be ready.
3: Number three. Tiger fans, we need to hear that Jaws music start, and means it's time for a zoo kickoff. Our kicking unit is on the hunt like sharks, and trust me, these guys know to detect things.
4: And when that jaw moves, starts, make arms can start to sway.
3: And make sure to tear this helmet to avoid tick on.
2: It's the Missouri
0: video. That's the worst. Well, I, okay, I, they're both Missouri videos. Both I, Missouri. I assume you mean that that video that you just played.
2: Yes, that video is the worst, and I don't understand how anybody in communications—I'm a communications guy in the uh, the professional world, uh, there's no way I would have let that go out or go through the
0: approval process at, when I saw that. So, well, in, in fairness, Cole, K-State has had the power towel video come out. They had the EcoCat thing. So, you know, we're we're not—I'm not saying that K-State is immune from this, but Ms. New seems to be a particularly bad offender as well but i i am just here I, I basically set this question up to be able to defend the honor of the we are mizzou video i actually enjoy it like i thought it was you know i get why people make fun of it but like yeah there's there's some bars there there's some bars there man yeah, rock chalk phil pressy in your face i don't i it's i'm, I'm okay with the we are mizzou video.
2: i tweeted i tweeted carrington at 610 a while back when he tweeted that video again i think and i i the, the music kind of pops a little, you know, I it's got a little, uh, nice ring
0: to it. Well done. H well, H well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite K state Mizzou moment. DY, I know this one will be a little bit different for you, but, uh, Cole, I guess we'll start with you first. I mean, Brandon Archer had the pick six and Bill Snyder's first last game. Uh, that was a crazy one. Brad Smith. I still have no idea what the hell Brad Smith was trying to do there. Uh, but that turned into a great moment. Uh, you had 66 to nothing in 1999 uh, capping an unbeaten regular season in 98, beating a pretty good Mizzou team with Corby Jones in Columbia. Beat them in the last game before they left for the SEC in 2011. What uh, What's your favorite Mizzou memory? If you want to go real old school, Chris Canty in 1994, batting down a pass on fourth and goal. Uh, a lot of choices there. You know there really are. I, I actually remember also
2: 1997, just watching Michael Bishop run through that defense and put some defenders on his back as well. The 98 game was just extremely stressful. I mean, we knew that was a, a decent Missouri team, and they they fought K State tooth and nail to the very end. I'm gonna say because I was at this game, and granted, I think it was right on the heels of the Nebraska game and K State's first loss of the was it the 99 season when K State beat them 66 to nothing. John, yeah, right. Yeah, I was sitting in the south end zone of that game and. Just the, the ineptitude of that Missouri team and what they did in that game. I think their their coach's wife got into it with folks in the stands at that game as well. Uh, Larry Smith and his his wife, and I guess they just utterly dominated them 66 to nothing. And I, I remember a play particularly where they ran the option and the, the running back wasn't even looking and it hit off his helmet and, and mounts.
0: Colt, that happened twice. That's in, right. It happened twice. It happened twice in that same game. Mizzou ran an option pitch, and the back wasn't looking for the ball, and it bounced off his helmet in case they recovered. Twice yeah. in the same game.
1: That's right. That's right. Can, I, can I provide a favorite Ohio State-Missouri moment? I remember. Yes. I remember an Ohio State-Missouri game in 1997, I want to believe. Uh, Corby Jones was the Missouri quarterback at the time, mm-hmm. and I saw him take the biggest hit in my entire life and I thought ended his life at one point. That was Andy Katzenware. I was just about was. to say that had to be Andy Katzenmoyer, right? And he yeah. just decapitated I, Corpichum.
2: I actually remember watching an old K-State game, D.Y., and I saw the score of that 1997 Ohio State-Mizzou game come across the ticker while I was watching the game because I saw Missouri was ranked like 17th or 18th. They were a top-20 top team going into that Ohio State game. So
1: Yeah, those that was the... Uh, The year of Ohio State football when you'd win every game but Michigan. It was pretty sad.
0: You know, I'll I'll take another one Like today? Like today. (laughs) I'll I'll take another one off the board here. In 2000, Larry Smith, Mizzou was not going bowling going into that game. And they actually fought case day pretty tough. Uh, But I remember they did a sideliner board about how Larry Smith had made T-shirts that week that said Pride Bowl 2000. On them with like a blank score that they were supposed to wait to fill in. So his motivation was, hey, we're, we're not going bowling, but this is the pride bowl against mighty K State in uh, in 2000. As K State then won to go on to the Big 12 championship game. So Larry Smith, pride bowl, always uh, always stuck with me. Uh, finally, we'll venture out from K State, Mizzou. What is more likely to happen: Texas makes the college football playoff, or the Cowboys make the Super Bowl? And by the way. My thoughts go out to anybody working in Dallas area offices who is being inundated with both of those narratives right now.
1: Yeah, I'll say Texas just because as a Packers fan, I just don't trust Mike McCarthy. And Texas actually can coach themselves out of games and still make the playoff, right? Like they have that much talent at this point. Uh, you, You beat Alabama, you're real. If the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing, that doesn't mean you can just go rough shot over the rest of the NFL. I mean, you're still going to be tested week in, week out. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers. Texas's path to the playoff is easier than the Cowboys' path to the Super Bowl.
2: It's, it's Texas making the college football playoff, and part of that is because with the win over Bama on the road, they now can lose a game and probably still get in the college football playoff. They had that room for error because of that win at Bama, even though I don't think this Bama team, I, I think it's probably one of their more down ones because I don't think Melrose is the type of quarterback they're used to have, and he can't throw the ball nearly as well. So I think they're going to lose another game, at least Bama, that is. But right. when you look at Texas's football schedule this year and, and how relatively weak it is, I mean, I think they are favored in Kelly Ford's projectability model. The only game they're not double-digit favorites looking ahead now the rest of the season is Oklahoma, where I think they're favored by one and a half or two points. The next closest is K-State and Austin where they're favored by 10 in his model. So there's a strong likelihood that at the most they lose one game this year. And uh, hopefully that one is against K-State either in the Big 12 championship or down in Austin. But yeah, I think Texas is, they got the talent. with They, they got the defense now and they got the skill dudes combined with that to be a playoff team this year. I hate to say it.
1: Yeah, it, what I will say is, Even though that says their closest game will be with Oklahoma, I would take the bold prediction that that won't be their closest game. I bet they still win that by multiple scores. Guys, who's playing quarterback in the NFC?
0: Like, I mean, what? Like, Dak Prescott's biggest competition is Brock Purdy. Like, that's what we're going to bank on. Jalen Hurts?
1: The 49ers and Eagles have two of the three best rosters in the NFL, regardless. Jalen Hurts
0: is overrated, man. Well,
1: I just
2: think that. The, yeah. the Eagles play in the same division as the Cowboys, and the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, in my
1: mind, are the 49ers. And the Cowboys still have Dak Prescott, a quarterback, if you want to go judge everyone else. I mean, you're, you're not going – You, a sure? Dak you guy. should know this better than anyone, because you say this all the time. You're not going to get there with just the defense. And Cowboys might still, at the end of the day, have just a defense.
0: I've always been a big Dak guy. Shout-out to Mason both. I'm a Dak guy. I'm standing up for Dak. It's the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Texas will Texas will bleep it up man. they'll find a way. Lead pipe block of the week. Lead pipe block of the week. I am one and one. Derek is one and one. Cole is 0 oh and two. He's taking a couple of bad beats. Most recently, Tulane it will Miss. DY had Middle Tennessee covering. Smart pick. Uh, I missed UTSA covering over Texas State. They did win, but they did not cover. Uh, let's say, should we let's get the helmet prediction. I kind of want the helmet prediction, uh, Derek. So what what do we have this week?
1: We don't have a helmet prediction until the Kansas State game. Um, so, a uh, little pause on there. I I took both of these. I will say, this isn't my official one, but I it probably should be. But if I'm going with the formula that worked last week, when I took Middle Tennessee or Missouri, the pick this week would be to take Central Michigan plus 33 against Notre Dame. That's a pretty sicko bet, but Notre Dame is Ohio State next week. So, um, a lot of these are sicko bets, though, this week, because there's just not a good game. But my official bet, I'm actually going to Troy. Minus two against James Madison. I think, Troy, this is at a letdown spot because they just couldn't compete with the Hulby. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. You spent
0: all of last week telling us that Troy was not <laughs> <laughs> You spent all of last week running down the sacred name of Troy, and now you're going to come back around and bet them as your lead pie block of the
1: week against James Saints- <laughs> Madison? Yes, James Madison letdown spot. They just beat Virginia, so Troy minus two. It's kind of a stinky line, right? Troy two point favorite here. I like Troy minus two.
2: Is that a? Do you have a BYU helmet back there? DY next to the Texas helmet. Is that what that is?
1: Yeah, you like that. I
2: mean, you could have taken the Cougars this week. I mean, who do they? They're eight and a half point dogs against who? Who do they got? Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, I I think Rocket Sanders, running back for Arkansas, probably not going to play. Uh, I don't know, I could have taken that helmet with BYU, here's what uh, I will say I the two lane one, I, I had them at plus seven, they lost by 17, so a lot of people would argue it was at a, a bad beat uh, they were winning at halftime by seven and Michael Pratt surprised everybody and didn't play at quarterback in that game and the backup was kind of torching Ole Miss for a bit of, uh, of that time and then it was still going to push and uh, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin throw out a kicker who makes a 56 yard field goal that would have looked like it was good from like 70, I had no idea. And then a pick six, um, a fumble return for a touchdown at the end. So it was it was a bad pick. It, I didn't get the job done. But I gave this lockout two weeks ago, week one of the year, and I have to stick with it because it's my boys from the MAC, Ohio, at home against Iowa State. The Bobcats, man, that stadium is going to be roaring. The only thing, I wish it was on a – you got a an Ohio helmet? No, I have an Iowa State helmet. I can't. Okay. Take that Iowa State helmet and slam it to the ground like Corso, raise it up, slam it down, because the Bobcats at plus three and a half is a lock. I mean, you had you had Matt Campbell saying that Curtis Roark, the Ohio quarterback's the best QB's face to date this year, taking a shot at Iowa. But you know what? Matt Campbell's proud of his guys. He's
0: proud. You know, that quote after the game. That guy, I mean, it's not even fun to make fun of him anymore. Uh, he's just a caricature of himself. Always, like, you know, we don't compete for championships. We just lost to Iowa. But, you know, we played as well as we ever have in there. I mean, I can't imagine being an Iowa State fan.
1: I would can, also, you, sh- if you if you can still get KU at less than four touchdowns. Okay. This well, week.
0: They're on my list, UI. Can we just, can we let can, me, uh, can you
2: hand that over on the screen to John just across? Because that's, uh, I have a feeling that's going to be... uh Possibly sure. hit his okay. pick. I, I I would say another one, guys, is Florida plus six and a half at home against Tennessee. That's uh that's a game that I like just with them at home. Tennessee hasn't look very good, so neither is Florida. But Florida's awful. Okay, versus uh, quarterback. Okay, I, God.
0: Florida is a jewel I but so is Nevada. So I my runner up here. I'm not using it as the official pick, but I I highly considered Kansas minus twenty seven and a half at Nevada. Nevada is. Very bad. They lost by 27 to Idaho at home last week. Um, but I'm going to take, I think, a, a game here, wrong team favored. Uh, I'm going to take Fresno getting three points going to Arizona State. Uh, if you didn't pay attention, a two overtime game against Eastern Washington last week. I'm sure everybody was locked into Fresno football. But Eastern Washington is a pretty salty FCS team and let down look ahead spot, man. They beat Purdue in week one. They had Arizona State coming up. And I don't think Arizona State's very good at all. I watched a decent chunk of them playing against Oklahoma State. I, I think that Arizona State team is not ready. They're playing a true freshman quarterback. I don't, I don't like any of it. I think Fresno goes in and, uh, and wins that game. That's my lead by block. Uh, 24-17. I'll take all the suspense out of it. That is my prediction. K-State 24, Mizzou 17, winning by one score. Dogfight of a game. Low scoring, but they get to D.Y.'s magic number of 24.
1: For me, it would be like a if it was in Manhattan and if Mizzou wasn't circling this game and putting the target on the K-State back, I'd like it 31-14, 35-14. I think it being in Columbia, it being a big emphasis by Missouri, tightens that up. I'll say 27-19 K-State.
2: I like the 24-17, to 17, John, because I believe that was the score when Missouri departed the Big 12 and uh, Manhattan when they lost to Kansas State. Um, it, it's going to be a close game. I've, I've got it as a single score game. Uh, I talked off-air with you guys before we came on about the close games against the SEC opponents for Missouri over the last couple of years. If you look back at, at home, home games against SEC opponents, their last six games have been decided by a grand total of 17 points, an average of 2.8 points margin of victory for either side in Missouri home games against SEC opponents. Uh, you know, you go down the list. They they lost to Georgia 26-22 to at home. They beat Mandy 17-14. They beat Kentucky 21-17. They beat Arkansas 29-27. They beat Florida last in 2021, 24-23. And they beat South Carolina 31-28. The largest margin in those six games was four points. Every game they play at home, Tends to be close. As a result, I think it's a one scoring game.
0: I'll take K State 27, Missouri 23. Thank you for the helmet. Uh, for those of you who are just listening, DY has now officially held up the K State helmet. Nobody just. Oh, oh,
3: my- oh,
2: my goodness. I didn't know you had the Missouri helmet.
0: Of all the disrespect that has been thrown on this podcast, none stronger than Derek flinging the Mizzou helmet off screen for those of you that were not able to see. So Missouri fans who are listening to this podcast this week and normally don't, you can go go find him. Go find him online. Uh, I would shout out, I always want to say his old Twitter account, though. Damn it, I can't remember what the, I don't know. Derek Young on three, just Google it. Find him on Twitter. Go after him. Not me and Cole. Derek is the one who disrespected. I, I just I just want to
2: say I have tremendous respect for the Missouri football program and their fans. Good Good fan base. Uh, come say hi to us as we walk into Pharrell Field and uh, you know, come say hi after the game if uh, K-State wins. Uh, that would be when I prefer to, to see some Missouri fans. One thing I will say also, guys, Kelly Ford before the year had K-State as a 56% chance to win this game on his model uh, and projected him as two-point favorites, but because of the way Missouri has looked through two games, He now has them as a nine and a half point favorite with a 74% chance to win. And ESPN's FPI football power index went from 52% before the year in favor of K-State to 68% as of today. So the numbers have changed a little bit. Is that because Eli Drinkowitz has been looking ahead? He he would not surprise me to be the type of coach that would have just completely overlooked the first two opponents knowing how
0: big this K-State game is to him and his uh, future at Mizzou. I, I don't put a lot of stock in how Mizzou's played the first two weeks. I think they've been sandbagging a little bit. I think they'll be up for it. I think it's going to be a tough game. But thank you to all of our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Holiday Distillery, DraftKings. You guys know the drill with all three of those. Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash 3 If you want more content, we're about to do uh, later on today a and a so you can get your questions in to us. We will answer them directly patreon.com slash three if you want to access that for nick springer behind the scenes Derek young cole manbeck i am john kurtz thank you for listening to another edition of three and we'll talk to you after we are back from columbia thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard